here we are again with Joe Hart, who has more stories, I think, than I do. A magnificent storyteller, back for more stories today. Today, and we're uh, I'm I'm looking at Joe in his closet, and he was just describing before I started the recording process uh, uh, what he's uh, how this came to be, and and it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 really. I need to maybe I need to do a, a screen grab on this and put it in, as the episode picture. <laughs> it's, it's too funny. Don't you dare! <laughs> you sound great. <laughs> you, I've been I've been relegated back into the closet. Yes, that's right. Uh, he came out of the closet. And now he's gone back in. And what exactly? So tell tell me again uh, how this came to be that you have like the the mic screen and. You know the uh, the Blue Yeti mic and all that. Yeah, well, stuff. you know, uh, I've been doing some voiceover work, so um, with that, you know, I've tried to improve the sound of my voice and uh, step and, up your and, game and the instruments uh, of destruction that that I've chosen, and uh, so far so good. Knock on wood. Um, and the closet is big enough and robust enough that uh, um, you know it actually feels pretty good and and. Uh, uh, my representation appreciates the sound I'm producing. So right now, you know, I'm I'm thankful for, uh, you know, my wife being a bit of a hoarder, and uh, hanging on to all the clothes she's ever purchased, and they now act as a buffer for it's me. The create, so. It's it's creates the perfect sound barrier or sound insulation for you. Absolutely, absolutely, it's great. You know, when yeah. I started the podcast, I think the first couple of episodes, I was in the closet too, and <laughs> and I realized that I. You can't see it, you know, because for those those listening, we're on a Zoom call and you're only getting the audio. But um, I created these these foam panels that I just sort of put up. There's there's one in, right behind my my monitor, and then there's two on the sides. And I discovered that that really combined probably as as much as anything with. Um, the the podcast host that I use is it's web it's called uh, Buzzsprout, and they have this thing called the Magic Mix, and you know you do what you can to initially create as good a sound quality as, as you can make it, and then once you I finish editing and you throw it all together and you put it into the Magic Mixer, then it sounds just like you were in a recording studio, so it's uh, you uh, you know we're gonna take the voice of Joe Hart, and make it even more mellifluous, if that's even possible. Well, I don't know about mellifluous, but I'm going to try. You know, I was watching, um, uh, what was it, uh, Hustle and Flow the other night, and in their recording studio, they have, like, all those McDonald to-go cup holders, yeah. and those are turned upside down, and they create the wall. Yeah. And I was like, hmm... Let's see. Maybe I'll be grabbing a little more of those and putting them up. Yeah, but it's so far it's, so good. Well, you can, and again, you can these these. Um, all right, I'm going to move this over. This is this is the side. Oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and Andy, I, you know, Andy, those... Andy, Andy. Yeah, it is handy, and I think I spent all of maybe ten bucks on all of it. You know, wow. I just take the sides nice. down. the The front looks like that, and it's uh, or the you know what's directly in front of me behind the monitor looks like that, and it it works. So sounds great. There sounds we great. are. That's why we sound so good, ladies and gentlemen. 
<laughs> so, so how this uh, this second episode with Joe Hart came to be is that we were talking the other day, and he we were reminiscing as we always do about the time. There were there were a couple of stories that I wanted everybody to share because they're really good. And I just looked up. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll cover Frederick Forrest first, right? Sure, Frederick sure. Forrest, and. You know, I knew the name, and I thought, okay, he's an old actor. You know, he'd been around Hollywood for a while, and you were mentioning something about Mary Lou Henner, and I couldn't. I was trying to make the connection, um, and I I looked him up, and there was a it was like you know Frederick Forrest actor, and you know he he just died like three weeks ago. Yes, very sadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He and, died. Uh, he was a great loss. I thought he was a magnificent actor. Yeah, he was nominated for an Academy Award for, I guess, the Best Supporting Actor in The Rose. And he was married to Mary Lou Henner at one point. She was an actress, and I think, I can't remember what her claim to fame was, but, you know, they were, you know. Mary Lou Henner? Taxi. Taxi. TV show Taxi skyrocketed her in things. She had her own television show, and she had a Broadway presence. And, uh, yeah, she's been a driving force in in, uh, the industry for um, you know, a good 35, 40 years. Right. And yeah. so they were, they were kind of a power co- Hollywood couple. And, um, yeah. and that's where you sort of interacted with them. And I'll let you take this, take it away with this story. Cause it's really quite, it's, 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 it's wild and funny. Well, I, I, I tell you, I toured with, um, uh, Mary Lou in, um, uh, about uh, the year, I think it was like around 2000 or something like that. And we toured in uh, Annie Get Your Gun. Oh, okay. And she was a terrific Annie and a marvelous person to tour with. And uh, one of my favorite uh, stars to be on the road with was Mary Lou. She did many, many, many generous things uh, for her company. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it was just a pleasure to be around. And, and uh, um, you know, she, she, she took her boys out there, uh, Joey and Nikki. And of course, you know Nikki now. Nikki Lieberman just did um, uh, uh, theater camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he directed it. Uh, I believe wrote it. Um, um, but I could be wrong in all of those. But I know he's you know part of the creative team of that, uh, which is very exciting. And um, <clears throat> so we were out on the road with Mary, and you know I guess everyone sort of knows now that Mary Lou has this incredible memory. You know, uh, we didn't know it at the time, but she had the ability to to recall days that she, you know uh from most of her life she can pinpoint what day it was what happened on that day the big events of the day mm-hmm. and it was a pretty remarkable thing that was discovered i think by like 60 minutes or one of the tv uh news programs the magazine programs and and she was um uh so but for us when we were out on tour it was just a parlor game we would sit down at dinner and go mary lou what happened in uh, on may 15th uh, 1972 and she would go well, that was the day the dodgers were you know and she'd be able to 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 uh, tell us what had happened so anyway in part of the conversation she started to discuss her marriages and one of them was to frederick forrest it was very brief they were in italy and yeah they, they were like two years i think that was it right yeah, it was. I don't even think it was that long. I think they like dated for a while, and they married really quickly, and then they they they, they divorced, divorced just pretty, as quickly. Quickly, but in the conversation, Mary Lou mentioned she said, "Well, you know, Frederick um, uh, lived at the Highland Gardens for most of his life, and the Highland Gardens is over on Franklin here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Most of you don't know, but Highland Gardens is known uh, uh, famous for uh, it is the the death location of Janis Joplin. So." 
Um, so Frederick had lived, and these are like efficiency type of apartments, you know, that have a bedroom, kitchen, yeah. that sort of thing. And I guess maybe he had other places, but when he was in Los Angeles, he stayed at the Highland Gardens. So cut to 1980, and um, uh, I started to tell Mary Lou the story. I said, you know, Mary Lou, uh, I, I stayed at the Highland Gardens. Well, I didn't actually stay at it. My girlfriend at the time, Mimi Bissett, another marvelous act- actress, we were doing uh, the national tour of the Bessel Whorehouse in Texas, which was playing at the Pantages Theater. And um, Mimi was staying at the Highland Gardens. So one night after um, the theater, we came back. And as we came in to, to, to the, uh, the hotel, uh, smoke was billowing out of one of the apartments. So um, my father was a fireman. I kind of always wanted to run into a fire so i grabbed a hold of a jerry can and, and this, I, is, this uh, is this is by the way for those who haven't heard joe on the first episode this was yeah the, i think the the title was from the firehouse to the whorehouse Something yeah like i, I yeah. like to spend more time in a whorehouse than in a firehouse yeah, yeah. which, this which was is your, this was true. your big this was your big moment my too, big uh, moment yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i grabbed a jerry can which is like a hose extinguisher thing you know that you know you see them in schools and stuff like that and they had one there i grabbed it and i ran into the to the apartment and when i got in there was a guy in there and he was kind of like spinning around a little anxious and uh, uh, you know quite reasonably and the uh, bedroom was fully engulfed the the draperies were 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 uh, torched and the, on, they were, the bed they, was they were on fire right the bed was yeah flames i mean it's just like the, the bedroom yeah. is burning and so uh, i had a jerry can so i hit it with water and i sort of held you know held the fire back and then you know the guy helped me and the two of us were there you know down on the ground and we were spraying water on it and then the fire department showed maybe you know pretty quickly you know within like you know a few minutes or so they did and they came in with a jerry can too by the way they didn't stretch no, a wait, line so not not the co not the co2 stuff that blamed you this is like literally no it was water, water. Oh, okay it was water it was a water under pressure and and uh you know with one of those really hard to bend hoses you know yeah so it was really you know kind of difficult because they're yeah, like ancient. stiff and old and yeah ancient a- ancient uh firefighting Gear. So we kept so we kept the fire at bay until the fire department of cavalry showed up and, and knocked it down and then you know I went out and you know Mimi was very upset and screaming that you know <laughs> what were you doing why did you go in there we never you know blah, 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 blah. and so I tell the story and Mary Lou is dump her mouth is wide open and she says oh my god she said Frederick told me a story of in 1980 his apartment caught on fire. And a guy came running in with a jerry can and helped him put it out with the fire department. Now, I mean, I always hope to run into Frederick Forrest and, and, and ask him if that was an actual true story. But it coming from, you know, the, the mind of Mary Lou Henner, who has this incredible ability to recall instances, I kind of think that, you know. It was the same guy. <laughs> it was that kind of the same thing, you That's know. Like fun, I, yeah. And so I put a, put a fire out with Frederick Forrest, which was, was really cool. What well, was and, he like? Uh, incapacitated you said he was just sort of like spinning around when you got when he well because he didn't know what to do you know oh, i mean he okay. was in, so he, he, he was, wasn't he like was sort of panicking out. like you know oh my god what are we you know what are we gonna do what are we gonna do and i come running in with jerry can i'm like get down we'll hit this spraying the drapes the the flames are on the bed you know the whole bed is engulfed he's not hurt right you know he's just you know we're just taking smoke 
you and know. you just said, listen, I come from a long line of firefighters. I'm yeah, gonna, that just... <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, Trust in me. Just, I dreamt I could do Frederick, this. Frederick, I no. got it. <laughs> Well, no, you, it was. It was. Were you I a firefighter? A... No, I played one on TV. T- yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Joe exactly. Hart, firefighting in Los Angeles. <laughs> exactly. So I missed the opportunity to, um, um, you know, to 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 put the fire out. You know, but but speaking of uh, of moments where you where you have, um, uh, you know, meeting you know famous people and celebrities and stuff like that, um, I have a really quick one about Joe Montana. And uh, Joe Montagna, before he became famous, uh, he was a Chicago actor, very highly regarded. Yeah. He did bleacher bums, and he moved out here to Los Angeles. And um, I had just got this about the same time. It was a little bit after, like 80, 81. And um, a friend of mine recommended a photographer to me to get some new headshots done. So I went out to this guy's place, and it turned out it was Joe Montagna. Not knowing, you know, Joe Montana. No, wait a minute. Joe Montana was the photographer, or you know, yeah, aside yeah. He, was, he was he was taking headshots. He oh, hadn't so become he, he had the, the the world hadn't opened up to him yet. Right. So he was out on Balboa, and um, he lived. Uh, yeah, he lived on Balboa, and that's where we had the 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 uh, shoot. And and um, he was just a, a remarkably nice guy. I mean, I loved being in his presence. I loved the time we spent together. It was just a shoot, so it was a couple of hours, but I felt extremely comfortable in this guy. I thought, hey, maybe, maybe this guy's going to be my friend. You know, I didn't know many people here in Los Angeles. By that time, the company had left. I was by myself. Yeah. I thought, oh, this is great. Guy takes my headshots. We're going to hang out. Well, that, that never materialized. But um, I, 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 I never saw him after that, and then suddenly his life exploded and he became you know, this huge character actor yeah so years later uh i'm living in toluca lake which is where he calls home and when he's out here and i'm on the line at the bank wells fargo and in front of me is joe montagna and by the and way so- just to, i want to interrupt for a second because you you used a uh, you even though you've been away from new york for ever uh, you just used that New York phrase, you're online instead of in line. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Proof that I am a true New Yorker. He is a true New Yorker and a firefighter, yeah, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. So, <laughs> so I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but I had to throw that in there. But so it's going. Joe Montagna, and he's in line. He's in front of me. And um, uh, I'm like, oh, my God, um, Joe Montagna. So I tap him, and, 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 and excuse me, I said, you know, Joe, Joe Montagna. I'm, my name is Joe Hart, and I was, you know, you took my headshots many years ago when you lived out on Balboa, and, um, right. you know, I just wanted to say how happy I am that, that your career took off because you were such a nice person, and to see someone who was authentically kind and generous and funny and all these great things have great success, you know, gives me hope and, and, and give me pleasure. And, and, and thank he turned you around much. and said, who the fuck are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he didn't. And he Surely. sort of made like, oh, yeah, sure, I remember you. And I was like, yeah. I said, I said, but on another matter, I said, you know, the headshots, they weren't that good. <laughs> and it was like 150 bucks. And oh. we're online here at the Wells Fargo. You know, it would be, uh, you know, nice to would get be a too much. <laughs> Throw me the hundred. Very, no, I mean, we laughed about it. And that was, that was it. But. That was funny. I I, uh, I I really liked him. He was a really nice person. Well, and and I think this this 
goes to the point, you know, most of the people that we work with, and I'll throw in the plug for those that didn't listen to the first episode, you know, Joe and I did Whorehouse together, the, the national tour. And, you know, you just, you, the, the people that became like Joe Montagna and, and uh, Frederick Ford, I mean, that were, you know, working actors and even stars, you know, it's nice to, it, 99.9% of them were nice people. They weren't dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Very true. You know, it's funny. We, we, we started that tour in 1979 and uh, we were on tour for, I don't know, a year, year, year and a half, half, something like that. But um, uh, I was just thinking the other day, um, um, I spoke to three of the guys that I was on tour with in 1979 in the same day. Wow. And, and, and one of the girls. And it wasn't, we didn't speak to her, but I texted and we were texting right. back and forth. But it was like those bonds that were made during sure. that time were, were, you know, lifelong. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's many, many, many companies I've been a part of, many shows I've toured with. And I still, you know, talk to people and all that stuff. But I just think it was remarkable that, you know, I was seeking advice or, or camaraderie or whatever it was, fellowship from, uh, from that long ago. And, and um, you know, it was all very satisfying. You know, yeah, that 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 exists. So it is amazing how that that particular. Well, and I think I guess part of that is we were together, we were all together for you know a year and a half, which at that time well, it's when different. you're in your twenties, it it was like a lifetime. It's different when you go out on tour, like when you do a Broadway show or whatever. You're you know everybody has their own lives outside yeah. of the theater. You know they go home and they with their wives and their friends and all of that. And they have their life. But when you're on tour, you become just this little That's isolated group of people that are touring with, and they are people who you depend on uh, for 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 uh, camaraderie and, and and aid and help sure. and, and friendship and all that stuff. So you become the bond is extremely deep, extremely deep, and, uh, and part of the part. Of, Part of the really nice part about 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 touring was that 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 I think was the best part overall. I mean, the money was used to be okay, now it's terrible, but um, you know it. Uh, uh, you know it was uh, that was a great aspect of yeah. it. And I cherish those the, those times. And you know? it was as we we talked about in our you know first go round, it was like one giant for me. It was like one giant paid vacation across the country. You know, for somebody like I don't know if you uh, traveled that much. I didn't. No. I mean, I. I've no. gone to, to New York, um, and outside of that, I mean, that's that was like you know, oh, go to the big city, and but I'd never, you know, I'd never traveled really. Yeah, no, I mean, I spending there. spending three months in Washington D.C. during the during the um, uh, the Iran the beginning yeah. of the Iran conflict, and you're right there where all of that is happening, yeah. and and uh, the I mean, it was. You know, being able to go to the Smithsonian so many times mm-hmm. and repeatedly go to different places. I mean, the learning experience was extraordinary. You know, you know and to be is, like in to be in Chicago, Chicago when the Blues Brothers is being released. You know, yeah. and the music in the town and Russian state. You know, the I mean, it was wild. I it never, was great. And you know, the thing that I, I could well, I mean, thankfully I went later. I mean, four you know, four years ago for the first time. But like the Art Institute in Chicago. Did you ever oh, go? It's when, incredible. Did, but did you go when we were there in, in Whorehouse? Because I didn't. I, 
I, I went there, I think I went there with Alexis Smith. I think she brought a group of us there, Mimi being one okay. of them. And, you know, I was dating Mimi at the time, so I was very lucky because she got all of these great invites and I kind of got to tag along because <laughs> I was connected with her. So, you know, and yeah. she was kind enough to extend the yeah. thing. I don't think if it would, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe Alexis would have invited me, but I, I never heard from her. It was like, yeah, maybe no, it wasn't like, hey, you want to, yeah, exactly. Yeah, was, but I was... did, but I did pull a fast one on the, 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 the Chicago Art Center. Uh, or the museum. I when I was there in uh, I was doing Priscilla. Yeah, I was doing Priscilla. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the guitar the guitar player uh, Ralph Agrista, um, he and I uh, said let's spend the day together. It's Monday, our day off. I said let's go to the museum because it's phenomenal. It's one of the greatest in the country. And so he said yeah okay. So we got there and you know how the big long steps and the yep. it's just the you know, this magnificent the, yeah. structure. And we get there and the line is coming out the door down the block yeah. past the big silver bean and all that. I mean, it's just, you can't, we're never going to get in. So I said, you know, what we'll do, I feel so bad, Ralph, I started this. Why don't we go into, um, uh, we'll just go in and, and go into the, uh, uh, the, 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 the store, shop. the no, gift shop. Let's yeah. go to the gift shop. So we go into the gift shop and we're looking around for a bit. And there's this kid there and he's like stocking the shelves. And I get this idea. <laughs> and I go up to him and I say, hey, um, you obviously work here, yeah. I said, do you ever like bring your family or anyone in to, to, to the museum? Do you have rights? Can you bring anybody in? And he goes, yeah, I, I, I can do that. And I said, you know, if I threw you 20 bucks, would you walk my buddy and I in? And he went, yeah. <laughs> 20 bucks, which was less than the price for one ticket. Yeah. The two of us are escorted. They're probably going to shut this down now. We're escorted in. <laughs> Walked, no line, no yeah. nothing, no, we just walked right in and we got to, you know, experience the entire thing. It was a great, it was, it was one of my, my, my most yeah. inventive scams that didn't really hurt anybody. No, it you wasn't know, like you was were just, like crashing the White House or something like that. No, I, we, we, was, we wanted to look at art and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, uh, we would have been more than willing to pay. Uh, in fact, uh, in the movie version, you know, uh, we we put money in the donation fee, so right. we weren't all bad. But anyway, well, and but that, that was, was uh, yeah, that was that Chicago was a great place to tour. It was, it was. So so now, tell me about the other the other thing when we were talking last week, and I, that that's this was the story that kind of prompted. Oh, we got to get this on the podcast. Was Donna Reed's. Oh, oh! Well, let me let Donna me tell Reed's, the story. Uh, yes, the, let me, yeah. The, let me tell the story. Yes, you, I'm going to. I'm to the the setup is. You don't want to give it away. No, I'm not going to. What what happened with her? What is the connection with Joe Hart and Donna Reed? I'll, yeah, yeah, how's yeah, that? yeah. That's that's a good what? teaser, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, let's let's go back in time. So it's 19, 1980, 1980, 81, something like that. And back then, um, uh, the communication was tough. There were no uh, we didn't even have answering machines at that time. Answering machines hadn't come into vogue. What we had was answering services, okay? You would uh, pay a company yeah. to retrieve your calls. That would be on your resume, and they would call you into an answering service. So just quickly, um, I had been living in Los Angeles after the tour closed, and we had gone through all of the auditions for the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas for the movie. And... I was cut immediately. I had done the national tour, but when the movie came up, it was a different choreographer, different director. Um, I, I went to the calls and I was cut immediately. So nothing had happened. 
And I was living here in Los Angeles, and I hadn't checked my answering machine in New York in like three months. So I thought, oh, I'll just give it a call. So I do. I call the answering service, not answering machine, excuse me, answering service. And I call, and they say, oh, yeah, as a matter of fact, Where have you, you, have a, you have a phone call. You have a message here from a woman by the name of Doreen Grossman. And Doreen uh, left a message, and she's with The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, the film. And she left this message about three months ago, and oh, you never called in for it. So I went, oh, my God. So I, I called the number immediately, and it was Doreen Grossman picks up on the other line. And I said, I'm Joe Hart. I got your message. I'm sorry I haven't returned the call. She said, thank God you called. Um, uh, we're now having the final callbacks for the movie. And I got, she, she didn't tell me how she got my name or whatever, but um, we're over at Universal right now. Get your and we're seeing down people. Here. So I'm, I'm giving you a, 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 a drive on and you'll come. So I shot down there. And um, first time I ever met Scotty, who, who uh, those of you know, going on the Universal lot, Scotty was the, the security guard that was always uh, at the front gate. Anyway, um, uh, and so I got on and I went in and it was in a big uh, soundstage and there were about 250 guys. I mean, it was just a line of an entire soundstage was all Aggie dancers, mm-hmm. all these guys, dancers at the time. And the guy next to me, Turned out he's going, um, uh, we're talking for a little bit. And I'm going, oh, yeah, wh- where are you from? I'm from Texas. Oh, oh, I, do you know that? Well, no, but my mother, my mother's a dance teacher in Texas. Oh, really? Oh, right, that's cool. What is she, well, she knows Tommy Toon and she, she's done with it and all that stuff. So, oh, that's really nice. What's your name? Oh, it's Patrick. Patrick what? Patrick Swayze. Oh, okay. Nice, nice to meet you, Patrick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no kidding. I didn't, I, you never told me about that one. I shit you not. Yeah. So, was, so, so, Swayze. so he and I hung out like during the audition, you know, and, and, oh, wow. and you know, uh, so we just started auditioning, 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 and of course, finally, in the end, you know, we're all released, and you know, that was the end of my my time with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Bottom line is, I beat Patrick Swayze out for the Aggie role in the Best of Horrors in he Texas. He didn't get he didn't get cast. He didn't get did cast, he? or maybe they cast him and he passed on. Well, he was not a star at the time. Right, he was just no, another, knew, yeah, just another. He guy. was another dancer. He was right. just another but, dancer. But he, he was had, he was a dancer. And and Joe, I gotta, oh, he was a major dancer. He, he, you and you and I were not dancers. We were we were trained to do the Aggie number, but dancers we were not. Not like Patrick well, Swayze. No, no, and of course not like anybody else in the movie. All the guys yeah. in the movie were yeah. like the top dancers in 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 the country. I mean, there right. was it was the, they were all Broadway. Right. They were magnificent. Yeah. Um. Uh. Which you know, I mean, Gary Chapman was in it. John Dolph, uh, Jerry Mitchell, um, and. Mark Fotopoulos, Mark who brought Fotopoulos. us to, to our side. I love my, Mark Fotopoulos. Kind, kind, gentle yeah. person. Um, and built like a, like a shithouse. I mean, yeah. the guy was a monster. He's huge. Very kind. But that gets us to, uh, to, 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 our, uh, to the story that you're, you're referring and to. And you got so, cast, but how did you get, you know, you, you, you know, you were the character, Aggie. Correct? Well, I was, of... but I danced. I mean, I, everything, everything that you see the Aggies do in the movie, yeah, I could you, do that. Okay, I did well, that, but it was it was close close enough, I guess, to the to what we did, or was it? I no, it's completely different. It's completely different. Completely different choreography. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to, Tony Stevens, the magnificent job, but it was it was much more of a dance piece. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought, much I more difficult. Um, I was I, I I didn't say I did it well, 
impressed. But I did did it it. well enough. Yeah. Well enough so that, you know, when my turn came to jump in front in the front line of the Aggie wedge, I was leading the wedge down and I was doing the step that I I had learned, you know, yeah, you know, and then, and then, you know, like, but everything else, you know, you would go in a rehearsal room and he would teach us, everybody learned everything. Yeah. So, and then as you were, you know, they were figuring out how it would go and who would do what, you know, the, the things, but you know, so whether or not I was a dancer or not, I mean, now I kind of look as like, yeah, I was a character guy who danced could do all that, uh, just not as uh, uh, specific and as clean as these guys. And yeah. they were magnificent. I mean, right. Ed Forsyth and Jeffrey Hornaday. Um, who no, ended, yeah. Jeffrey Hornaday no. ended up choreographing a chorus line and, oh, and okay. uh, Michael Jackson's um, um, uh, the, the Thriller uh, or whatever e- it is. ELO or whatever it was at yeah. uh, Disneyland. And a lovely, another lovely guy. All of them were really. It was great, but the 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 um, uh, the story you uh, you referred to is is when um, you know during the shooting of it we had to do scenes where we were uh, disrobed, you know, and uh, there's the shower scene, the naked shower scene, of course, um, and um, uh, during those times, um, uh, they uh, by the time we were doing the shower scene, well, the shower scene actually was shot down in in uh no, it was shot at Uni- uh no 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 it was shot at universal okay uh it was shot on a lot um but um you know they had to give us clothes and stuff uh, uh, uh bathrobes right so um and i was not one who was going to do the shower scene i i they they, they it, it was volunteer anybody right. could raise their hand and do the shower scene i did that um i now i wish i had because i would have loved <laughs> It would have been a lot of fun, uh, but it's not a big regret. But and it was a, uh, could have could have ended up. You could have ended up in a career with uh, like Boogie Nights, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Into a absolutely. different industry, film industry. My friend Randy Valcap did it. Um, uh, he was another uh, like a, 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 a character actor who could dance and do all the right. stuff. And, uh, um, it, it, it was great, you know, and those guys were very brave because, you know, it was at a time where that wasn't done at all, you know, right. you oh, did yeah. not see that, you know, so, so I, my hat goes off to all of them for that courage. Uh, I myself was too shy as even in, even in my dancing and thing, I chose to wear my vest because I thought I was too fat. Now I look at it and I go, oh my God, I was like, you know, I was in much better shape than I ever <laughs> thought I was, you know, my, yeah. my body image was way off, but anyway. <laughs> That being said, um, so, you so they the gave robe. us all bathrobes. Yeah. So they gave us bathrobes in our trailers and stuff. And I put my bathrobe on. It was this big, big terry cloth bathrobe. And on the back of the bathrobe, it said BFHS in this very specific, like, letterman sort of high school thing, BFHS. And we were fooling around on the set the, the day we got them. And no one had anything remotely like mine. Mine was big, heavy terry cloth. And I was dancing around like I was a fighter, you know, big. We were making up names for it. Big, bad guy. I put my boots on upside down, and those are my gloves. And we're just kids, you know. We're fooling yeah. around and all that stuff. And then, like, uh, we do the day. We do two days, whatever it is on that shoot, uh, on, on that portion of it. And then um, my uh, the next day I come in, and my bathrobe has been switched out for a different bathrobe. And uh, I notice, and I notice Mark Fotopoulos. And Mark Fotopoulos has snagged my BFHS, you know, bathrobe. Right. And I, you know, I didn't care, really. I mean, I was like, oh, okay, fine. You know, Mark, Mark, or they gave it to him or whatever it was. I don't think it was anything malicious that he was manipulating until later in until, life. Until, yes. Until later in life. So uh, we shoot the movie, end of things, right? Go home. It's like uh, November 
December, Christmas is coming. My sister, uh, I'm out hanging out with my friends in the street. My sister pulls me inside and says, come here, you got to watch this movie with me. It's called A Wonderful Life. And uh, I want you to come, you know, sit with me. So I was like, okay. So I sit with her. And of course, it's A Wonderful Life. This was when it was not on TV 45 million times. Yeah. It was on once during right. the season. So I sat with her and I watched it. And don't you know... The pool sequence where they fall into the pool and then they walk home and they do Buffalo Gals, won't you come out tonight? Yeah. Donna Reed is wearing a white terry cloth floor length robe that says BFHS on the back of it. In the same lettering that was on the one that I was wearing. And so this was before Aardvark which was the used clothing rage that started. This was before Universal and the world realized the value of selling or um, uh, of costumes. Right. Of, of, you know, the, the, the ruby slippers monetizing. hadn't been yeah. monetized. Yeah. This was, so I had that in my possession. And I was flabbergasted. I was just flabbergasted. And um, I, um, uh, I, I think I ran into Mark a year or two later or something like that. Maybe not that long. And I said, do you remember? And he said, yeah. And I said, did you know? And he went, eh, kind of. <laughs> I went, wow, you're good. Yeah. You're good. Mark I wish I had had that. Mark, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, and so what I did was uh, for Christmas that year, because I was so thrilled by the whole thing, is that I went out and I bought two terry cloth robes and I got um, the lettering, not the same lettering, of course, but a high school lettering. And I put BFHS on the back of it and I gave them to my two sisters for Christmas presents. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was really nice. But, um, uh, yeah, Mark Fotopoulos, if we can speak about him for a minute, you know, what a a terrible loss at such an early age. Yeah. And I know you worked with him for a long time. I worked with him. Yeah. I did a season. Well, actually I worked, I did like several shows with him in Dallas. Um, but yeah, he was, he was just a, you know, not unlike, you know, several of the, our our other friends that that AIDS took, you know, just great great people, great guys, and, you know, lost way too early. Uh, but that, uh, yeah, that, he that's was a the sad guy. thing. That's the sad thing for me about watching the movie because uh, this was AIDS was just coming into light during that time, yeah. and um, a lot of the guys from the show. Um, uh, were lost to yeah. to to the plague, and um, uh, it breaks my heart because uh, you know, you know those guys. I, I I just loved them. They were just so kind oh, to me. Oh, they were. And they were. Terrific. I was. I think I was twenty two, mm-hmm. twenty two, and I was scared out of my mind. I mean, you know, I was. You know. Oh yeah, we all to were. be in that. Yeah, to be in. The, no, no. I mean, from age, not from the thing. I was scared doing the movie. Oh, that. You know, I was <laughs> like, I always felt, you know, like, oh my yeah. god, what am I doing here? All these guys are like, they're all on all these Broadway shows. They're all, you know, everybody's oh, doing yeah. all this. Story. It was intimidating. And I was like a kid. It was like, you know, and um, um, and then, uh, uh but they were their kindness to, towards yeah. me was um. Well, the and know. the thing that you know, of course, that's the thing. You you have that. That bathrobe connects you, will always connect you with Mark, and and have you know to have such a great memory of, of that is, uh, you know, it's and Donna Reed, and Donna Reed, and, yeah. and speaking of which, speaking of which, like, I think it was, 
Now that I, now now that I'm thinking about it, it was before I went to shoot the movie. I was staying at a friend of mine's. Um, uh, I, was, I was couch surfing in L.A., and my friend Jeremy Cohen, a great violin player yeah. with the San Francisco Quartet, um, he was the fiddle player in the show, so we became tight. And um, Jeremy called me up one day and said, "Hey, man, I'm down at the Presbyterian Church in Beverly Hills, and I'm gonna play like a little quartet thing here, but um, Jimmy Stewart." is coming down to uh, read the gospel. So oh, come on down. So I shot out of the house, this was in Silver Lake, and I shot over to Beverly Hills and I get there and the sun is just setting. It's not, you know, and I get in there and sure enough, man, Jimmy Stewart gets up on the pulpit and he reads the gospel. And I mean, it's just profound. I'm like, and then Jeremy plays and it's beautiful. And at the end of it, um, uh, I meet Jeremy afterwards, and he says, come on, man, we're going into the rectory. They're having, like, a little fellowship afterwards. I said, okay. And I go walking in, and it's still kind of light out, so my eyes haven't adjusted yet. And I go into this dark room, and as soon as I walk into the through the doorway, this tall figure leans down, and he mumbles, and I hit, extends his hand. And I look up at him, and I'm like, I'm, my eyes haven't adjusted yet. I just see shadows. And I'm, uh-huh. And, 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 and he goes, oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Merry oh, Christmas. Oh, that's and I, I heard the voice before I recognized who he was, you know, that this was Jimmy Stewart saying Merry Christmas to me. And and I just I mean I, I that to was this very day cool. I get I get I get goosebumps in 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 that moment, you know, from that moment. Um yeah. Because um yeah. Well that's that's a great story. Yeah, how blessed, how to, blessed we, I was in so many ways to meet so many very, people along the way. Absolutely. Well, we need to we need to do this again. Great having you. <laughs> it was good stuff. And we'll see you soon. Great. Thanks so much, Andy. I love hey. talking to you. It's always a gas. Yes, man. Take care. Good to Hi, see buddy. you. Bye-bye. Hang in there. Bye-bye. Well, that's the story. A special acknowledgment to Mary Ann Kennedy Pat Bunch and Pam Rose for allowing me to use their music from Safe in the Arms of Love, a song Allison loved. If you liked what you heard, please share my podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, why not subscribe? And I'd sure appreciate a great rating in Apple Podcasts, too. I'm Andy Parker, and I'll be here next week with another episode of The Cultural Scavenger. Thanks for listening. <laughs>